All right, everyone, welcome to the Above Average Football Fan Podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game, or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, here we are for the Slightly Above Average Football Podcast Season 2, Episode 16. I am here with my main man. He just turned down Oklahoma for their head coaching position, Thomas Bowen. Thomas, why, why don't you want to go to Norman, man? I have no choice at this point. Uh, apparently, it must be a prerequisite to name your dogs Boomer and Sooner, as Riley did, and I guess he's going to have to change those names now. Um, I have two great dogs, and they already have names. I didn't want to change those, and I didn't want to live in Norman. That Hey, I, obviously Lincoln Riley agrees with you. So, uh, you know, today's episode will be slightly different. Um, we don't have a South Carolina game. We don't have a Clemson game. Thank we God. barely had one of those last Saturday. Um, so we're going to talk uh, college football in general. We'll talk a little bit of SEC championship, a little bit of Big Ten championship because we find that the most interesting. And we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Um, little programming note, next week we will not have a show. We're going to take that week off. Uh, Thomas, you know, you kind of mentioned to me there's not a whole lot of football. I'd like to point out there is one football game that I love that Thomas is not the biggest fan of, the Army-Navy game. Yeah. And and it's just great football, Thomas. Oh, yeah, it's great football if you want to if you want to ring that that American tradition bell, bell and I get that and and all respect to to the servicemen and women out there, but and, and you probably also like it even more because it is that gritty, grinded-out, smash-mouth football. It is so boring, though. It is so I, boring. I'm just going to be honest with you fans, if you're listening. I, I love option football. It's my favorite. Um, it, you know, I, if South Carolina if, – if Shane Beamer went to Oklahoma, which we'll talk about, uh, and, and Paul Johnson came to be South Carolina's head coach, I'd probably be the only person <laughs> in Columbia happy about it. Would it would be a revolt. I would be thrilled. So we will start off with our traditional what the world section, and that is going to start off with Ohio State. Oh, man. Uh, wow. Ohio State's defense. Um, they could not stop anything that Michigan was doing, particularly the run. That was not great. Yeah, it was, and it was crazy to look at it also schematically because Ohio State was very, as good as their defense has been since they made the Kerry Coombs switch over there this year, they just looked very vanilla. They sat in two deep, four, three over almost all game long. They also ran a lot of those hot coverages we talked about a couple weeks ago, but to his credit, McNamara, quarterback from Michigan, had no trouble diagnosing that hot coverage. You brought up a really good point when we were talking about the hot coverage was that a lot of times, you know, it's like that 2-3 zone basketball where you're shifting the zone and you're reading the quarterback's eyes. Sometimes you can get a little locked into that. Mm-hmm. I saw that happen time and time again. Linebackers got too glued on the quarterback and consistently missed guys running wide open into voids in the zones. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about Ohio State's defensive situation, that's sort of been their Achilles heel all season. Um, You know, they kind of looked like they got it figured out after Oklahoma and granted after what they did to to Michigan State. But, like, it obviously wasn't or, you know, whatever was going on or their game plan coming in against the Wolverines was just not very good. Um you know, and, and they really just couldn't stop the run. And surprisingly to me anyway, they couldn't get the run game, their own run game going. Like the, they've really breaded their butter on that, and it just didn't happen. 
Yeah, and and I really like Michigan's defensive game plan here. First of all, we, we talked weeks ago about defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Dude had a career day. Yes, he did. Made himself a boatload of money. Yes, he did. He finished that game with three sacks and 15 quarterback pressures, which apparently is the most since Pro Football Focus has started tracking those in 2014. I mean, I believe it. He was – C.J. Stroud was running for his life or, or uncomfortable or just in bad shape all game. No clean pocket ever. Was looking at – I mean, it was always something, you know. I'm sure Jason Brown and him can call each other and, and Zeb Nolan, for that matter, and talk about what it's like to not be able <laughs> to play behind an offensive line that's blocking. But, you know – that was just very surprising. So, what the world, Ohio State, you are now going to be left in the cold outside of the playoffs. Um, but it's a pretty sweet consolation prize. I think if Michigan wins the Big Ten, then Ohio State will go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that will be what happens there. And we'll talk a little bit about Iowa and them trying to play spoiler here in a little bit. So, I mean, that's not too bad of a consolation. You're going to the granddaddy of them all uh, in Pasadena. Uh, definitely a bu- bucket list game for me. I, I just want to say I went to the Rose Bowl. So here, here comes a flyer out of left field. So so now that, that Ohio State, which was dominant all year mm-hmm. and had their best chance to get to the, the CFP here and really do some damage, and we really wanted to see that Georgia-Ohio State right. matchup, now does – does Ryan Day, is he chomping at the bit to get back to it? Or is he going to go to the Bears? Is he going to take that NFL job? So, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that. My father-in-law, you know, shout out T.O., uh, Todd Ockberger, he, he brought that up to me. He said, you know, what, what do we do if, as Ohio State if Ryan Day wants to go to the Bears? And, I mean, that apparently is not completely out of the realm of possibility. Uh, you know, and, and if Ryan Day is looking at the writing on the wall, uh, you know, he, you know, leaving your team is really not that bad of an option. You know, that's been happening <laughs> a lot lately. So uh, kind of crazy. Um, I, that would put Ohio State in, in an interesting situation. Yeah, it, it really would. And, and I don't want to get too much into this because we're, we're going to jump into some of the coaching carousel here later. But if if that if that wild scenario, and I don't even want to say it wild because at this point nothing is wild, but if that were to happen and Ryan Day leaves Ohio State, you want to talk about some more dominoes that could fall when you talk about oh, wow. Luke Fickle and some other oh, guys? Yeah. It's going to be crazy. It would mess up a lot of things uh, with going on that's predicted with the other coaching searches and, and, and replacements, and we'll talk about that, like you said. So uh, back to our what the world, Alabama. And, and they won the game, but Auburn, which lost to South Carolina two weeks ago, or I guess a week ago, two weeks ago, yeah. Anyway, really struggled for, what, three and a half quarters? Yeah. I mean, you know, and that team, you know, we've been asking all season, is there anybody in the SEC or, or really in college football that can live up to uh, Georgia and that defense. And so far this season, what Alabama's concerns have been have been their defense. Mm-hmm. And, and they got shut out against Bama for – or excuse me, Auburn for, what, two quarters, three quarters? Yeah, so. and, yeah. and that's concerning. Yeah. Yeah, really. And I think, I think you know, not to get too much into the SEC championship game this weekend, there's a lot of concern if you're Alabama going into this game. I mean – not notwithstanding the defense and their defensive woes, Auburn takes them to the wire, a four overtime game, which also sidebar, I had no idea, and this is baffling to me, that that is I think I saw a stat, that's the first overtime Iron Bowl game ever. Is that accurate? I mean, I 
Wow, that would be crazy to think about. I mean, yeah. you know, there was a long time in football where you didn't have overtime. So I guess, but I mean, they might have to look and see how many ties. That's wild. Um, as long as they've been playing that game and as important as it's been, that it would be wild to think about that that is the case. Yeah, and so, but I mean, Auburn taking taking Bama to the wire in four overtimes, losing by two points, and offensive coordinator Mike Bobo still gets the axe. He like, he did he whew. did, you know, uh, good old Mike Bobo is a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> I like to call him a snake. Uh, he uh, you know karma's a thing, and it got him. Um, you know. <laughs> It is funny that, you know, the South Carolina game, you know, notwithstanding where they lost, and, and he, thankfully for Gamecock fans, got away from giving Tank Bigsby the ball. Yeah, um, You know, really, I feel like it just felt like the writing on the wall, that that's always been Bobo's issue. He always tries to get a little too cute. What was it, fourth and two or fourth and one when they end up throwing that pass yeah. that we knocked down? Yeah. We hadn't, you know, Tank Bigsby had been pretty much doing whatever he wanted. Mashing it. That whole drive. And, and you just inexplicitly don't give it to him. Yeah. And that's, that was his, his thing when he was OC at Georgia. You know, Georgia fans used to always have that run the ball Bobo. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I guess Auburn – uh, and their head coach, what's his last name again? Harson. Harson, you know, said, I'm not, you know, attaching my ship to this guy, which go ahead and segues into our next What the World, South Carolina, um, and their offense and offensive coordinator situation. Lack thereof. lack thereof. You know, Thomas, here's the thing. This was the first time South Carolina had been shut out by Clemson since 1989. Oh, that's painful. South Carolina, since 1989 to 2021, and I, I say this with all the love in my heart for Gamecocks. I'm literally wearing a Gamecock shirt right now. I, I, I live and breathe for the Gamecock football program. We've had some bad programs between yeah. or seasons between 1989 and now. Oh yeah, and they've never shut us out. And we've had some some bad when Clemson's had some really good teams. I mean, Lord, we had 63 to 17. Not to bring that up, but we at least got 70 points that night. Thanks. And yeah, it's a great, great memory. I'm glad I did that to myself and to you. Um, but no points, no semblance of a plan, no build off of the previous week's success, um, or at least the attempts that were there were shut down. But again, it, it was no, uh, no creativity, no next punch, no. You know, okay, yeah, we're going to run counter. Great. Give them some window dressing. Yeah. You know, we talked about Clemson's window dressing a lot. Give them some window dressing. At the end of the day, if you want to run counter right, run counter right. But give them a motion. Give them a tight end. Give them a formation. And there was nothing. And and what I noticed, too, was we've talked before about the under and over fronts. Mm -hmm. Clemson, they ran that 4-3, and they ran it over, shifted away from the tight end literally the entire game. Right. And we could not adjust to it. Yeah. And, and I mean – I was an offensive line coach and tight end coach in high school, and you know I'm not, so I'm not some expert, but I think I could have figured that out. Yeah. Like, hey guys, they're running the over. Like, we we should probably adjust to that. And that was probably something they talked about, or at least I would hope so, in the coaches' meetings leading up to the game. Hey, this is probably what Clemson's going to do, and nothing. Yeah. Just, and, and and I don't know about you, but uh, I did not see again. This this is the tale of of of. Two different game sets. You've got you've got the the Florida and the Auburn game okay. where where we looked good, had an identity, ran the ball, and then you've got the Missouri and the Clemson game. And the one thing that I did, and we've talked about, that I did see 
in the Florida and Auburn game that I did not see in the Missouri and Clemson game was I didn't see the center Eric Douglas calling out protections the entire game. Yeah, it, it, I just don't understand what's going on with that. You know, you and I talked before we started recording about, you know, I think if I'm remembering correctly in the press conference after the game, Shane Beamer brought up communication issues on the offensive line. And I'm sorry, but in game 12, if you're still having communication issues, that's not on the players, that's on the coaches. Yes. That's on the system. You know, at the end of the day, you're, you're, what you're asking them to communicate or the way you're asking them to communicate it is not good. Right. And, and you know, there's confusion or it's too complex or whatever it is. And, you know, that's just kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, ridiculous that that was happening again in week 12 against your rival at home. At home. It's not raucous away stadium. You can't hear each other. It, you know, it was as quiet as it's going to get in a college football environment. And your guys still couldn't get it out. Like they couldn't figure out, oh, well, you should do this, I should do this. Then that's the system. Yeah. That's the system. And we're going to bring the, let this, you know, dead horse lie here in a second. But Marcus Satterfield, as we're recording this at 5 30 on a Wednesday afternoon, December 1st, he still has a job. I, I said this to as somebody. As far as we know. As far as we know. I said this to somebody, and, and I mean it wholeheartedly. Bringing him back is indefensible. Absolutely. In my mind. Um, you and I talked about this beforehand. Any position, any organization, any job, any field, if somebody at a managerial level, leadership position, is just not getting the job done, and not, I mean, not even not getting the job done, falling on their face, falling on their face, and you bring that person back when it's time to review their job contract or their, their, their agreement for work, that's on the leader. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of faith in Shane Beamer. I love what he's doing with the culture piece. But the X and O piece has to be there. And and on offense, it hasn't. And I do think the X and O piece, the system piece, hurts us on the recruiting trail right now. Uh, So uh, something's got to be done. Yeah. Yeah, and and you mentioned the recruiting trail. And this is the last thing I'm going to say about it because I could go off on Satterfield for for quite a while here. But is that, yeah, it hurts you on the recruiting trail – you know, people think that he's an offensive coordinator. You're recruiting offensive guys. They don't want to play in that system or lack thereof. But, hell, it hurts you recruiting defensive players, too, because defenses don't want to play on a team that has an offense that's going to keep them on the field the entire game. You're exactly right. At one point or another, human nature is going to set in, and you just, you know, no matter how well we play or what we do, we're going to, you know, have a situation where we lose out. I mean, we had that. I've heard. Uh, I believe it was Rashawn Faison talk about it on Eric Kimry's old podcast about the season. I guess it was the 0-11 year where the defense, they kept going and kept going and hitting and doing everything they could, but eventually you, you get worn down. Yeah. And then I think again about Dylan Thompson's year at Carolina as a starter, full starter, our defense wasn't very good. Right. And, and you know, Dylan had his issues at quarterback at times late in the game, but as an offense, you got to be going, guys, help us out. Yeah. Help us out. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move to a look around college football you know, there's only a few things to talk about. It hadn't been very crazy. Oh, man. Uh, so, I guess the first domino was Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And, and I love – I don't know if he is, and I'll never know this answer. I love – I want to believe Lincoln Riley is a professional wrestling fan. I want to tell you why I say that. I can't wait for this. Promos are a big part of professional wrestling. So, if you're a good guy or a bad guy, you say certain things, you know, da 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 after their game against Oklahoma State, which they lost, he was asked 
explicitly, are you going to be the next head coach at LSU? Or he oh, said yeah, he's brilliant. he said something to or somebody asked him, he said, You can ask me all the questions you want. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. But he didn't say Southern Cow. Exactly. <laughs> he handled that perfectly. Yeah. He he literally was like Hey, you know, uh, you asked me particularly about LSU. I mean, I guess somebody should have asked the follow-up question of, are you going to Southern Cal or anywhere else? Anywhere else? And that question did not get asked, so he didn't have to answer it. And in the still of the night, I guess it really wasn't even that late at night. Like, I guess word was he got on a plane to Southern Cal, and it was out pretty quick. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to loyalty and this, that, and the other, but it's college football. College football is a business. College football has been a business for several years, decades, really. And Lincoln saw what Southern Cal had to offer and financially saw what they had to offer and said, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I don't. Oklahoma's going to the SEC. You know, you can make all the jokes you want to make about he didn't want to come play in the SEC and the toughest conference of the country. That's all well and good. But, you know, if you're smart and you're going – Go out to Southern Cal, play in the Pac-12. The resistance isn't as strong. And oh, by the way, they're going to pay me. What is it? Nine, ten million dollars a year? Yeah, with with a whole lot of extra incentives built right. in. Um, and I, I look at it two ways. You're absolutely right. the 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 West Coast, the Pac-12, is there for the taking. Right. With Riley's recruiting abilities. And he already had multiple four- and five-star recruits from Southern California committed to Oklahoma that have subsequently decommitted to Oklahoma and will likely – at least Malachi Nelson, the quarterback, has already Already committed him at Southern Cal. So I say all that to say it's not going to take him long to have that dynasty back up and rolling. That's point number one. Point number two is if if my boss made my job harder for me, i.e. moved me to the SEC and – I was offered more money to do the same job somewhere else where it's easier to succeed. I'd do it too. And would you rather live in Los Angeles or Norman, Oklahoma? Absolutely. And somebody brought this up on Twitter where, you know, and again, there's, you know, there's rumors about contracts. It's hard to confirm them. Supposedly Southern Cal bought both his houses in Norman. First of all, and this was what was brought up on Twitter. Why does he have two houses in Norman? Is there a lake in Norman? Like, <laughs> that's a good question. Like, why would he have that? And then they paid what was it, five hundred thousand dollars over? over. So, so essentially, a, a, a million dollar bonus. Holy cow! Yeah, and like that's insane. And then you know, I, the other thing I read was that his family has access to the private jet for Southern Cal twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a year, like whatever they want. You know, we're going to gas it up and you're going to go. I mean, that's some secession stuff right there. I mean, like, that's wild. And then they, I, there was a $6 million mansion purchase for him. Yeah. My question there is, how does that work? Like, if I get fired from Southern Cal, if I'm Lincoln Riley, does that, is that house, do I not own that house? Does, does Ooh, is it almost like like a parishioner's house? Correct. A house? Correct. Do a, I, new, a new pastor, right. you got to move out? Do I have to move out? And, and so that's interesting. And, you know, again, it goes to, and we were talking before we started recording, I saw somewhere online, Caleb, I believe it was Caleb Williams, quarterback, starting for them right now, talking about the reaction of the team and, and what, well, because of social media, because of all the things, word got out before Lincoln wanted it to get out, team knew. They were all sitting in the in the coach or excuse me, the meeting room waiting for him to come in and all of a sudden all their phones started blowing up and they knew what was happening. And they that they were kind of laughing and joking about it. And I guess as a college player, 
this is something you become used to. Sure. And, and you become used to the guy who recruited me here that told me he was going to be there for me for the rest of my life. And maybe he will be. Maybe all these guys who played at Oklahoma, when, you know, when they're 30, 40, 50 years old, he'll still be connected to them. I mean, that's fine, whatever. But at the very least, he's not going to be at Oklahoma anymore. And it didn't seem to, to have a big impact on him. And I just found that very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And it's, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see what Oklahoma does here to fill that void. You know, Oklahoma and Castiglione, the AD there, is they are very well known for, for hiring coordinators mm-hmm. and bringing them up. They're not going to go after, you know, an established head coach. But, I mean, look at Stoops and Riley. Those right. were very well, well-respected coordinators. Um so I mean, who are they looking at? If if you're if you're around the area here, particularly in South Carolina, and you've kept up with this any at all, you know that Brent Venables, DC at Clemson, is a hot hot name for this job right now. Has worked at Oklahoma before, um, has worked for Stoops, and it looks like he could be the guy. But there's a lot of smoke out there, right? And and you know, speaking of South Carolina, state of South Carolina coaches. Head coach Shane Beamer at South Carolina has been mentioned by yeah. multiple national uh, outlets as supposedly being high on the list at Oklahoma as well. Yeah. You know, he just left Oklahoma, came to a South Carolina situation that, you know, even if you're the most diehard of Gamecock fans, you have to admit, ain't great. Right. It didn't take over a great situation. Somehow went 6-6. Six and six. And so, you know, maybe Oklahoma's like, hey, he cleaned up that mess. He can come bring us some stability. You know, one name I haven't heard that just dawned on me who was a former Oklahoma offensive coordinator who's a head coach who might want to get out of the mess of the SEC, Mike Leach. Hmm. Mike Leach was Bob Stoops' offensive coordinator. Very true. And he's currently at at Mississippi State, which is extremely hard to recruit to historically. Absolutely. And plays Alabama. We'll talk about LSU here in a second. And Auburn, and the list goes an increasing and getting better Arkansas team, a really good A&M team, a really, really good Ole Miss team. So, you know, maybe he takes the money and runs if if Oklahoma offers it to him. That'd be – I mean, we haven't heard that. There's been no smoke on that. Just thought dawned on me. He – when Bob Stoops was there and, you know, during his heyday originally – he, when he came from Florida as defensive coordinator, the guy he grabbed at OC was Mike Leach because when Mike Leach was at Kentucky, that was the guy he had the most trouble uh, defending as a defensive coordinator. So he said, I'm going to bring that guy and be my OC. And, of course, they won a national championship. So, obviously, you got Josh Heupel, who was that quarterback for that team at Tennessee. That would be interesting. But the two names we hear the most, the name we, the one name we hear the most is Venerables, and then you sometimes hear Shane Beamer. Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell, that name has come up. He seems to be very happy at Iowa State. Yeah. And doesn't seem to want to leave there because um, every time his name gets brought up, he it's brought up on like the, hey, this guy's a potential head coach for this team. But then it just goes away because it seems yeah. he doesn't have any interest in it. Yeah. So maybe he just likes Iowa State. I don't know. But he, he see, or he's holding out for something. He wants one job, you know, whatever it is. So we'll be interesting to see. Speaking of head coaches changing and, and – Wait. Go ahead. So I just, I just want to I just want to be clear here for the listeners. You are reporting Mike Leach to Oklahoma. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. That's what okay. I'm saying is happening. All right. He will be the next head coach. Well, let's of the, get that rolling on the Twitter. Oklahoma Next Oklahoma Sooners head coach, Mike Leach, <laughs> the pirate himself. Hey, worst, worst options out there. Worst options out there. 
Switching over to uh, the other big uh, midnight change, I guess, if you want to call it that, Brian Kelly goes from Notre Dame to LSU, the job that uh, Lincoln Riley's name was the most brought up for. His contract is almost or maybe even more insane than Lincoln Riley's. I think he's making over $10 million a year with insane incentives and – you know, <laughs> that's one of those situations. He apparently made some comment in a press conference about a fairy godmother or something. Yeah. And, you know, just completely. Whereas Lincoln was like, I'm not going to LSU. And, you know, but I didn't say I wasn't going to Southern Cal. Brian Kelly kind of said, I'm not going anywhere. And then in, in the night went, yeah, actually, I'm going to LSU. Yeah. And, and so that's what's so crazy. His players found out about it. Just like Lincoln's online, on Twitter, he ended up having to send a a, a group text to the team and let them know, hey, guys, I love you, but I'm leaving. And that's just an awkward moment. And so then had a 7 a.m. meeting in person that apparently lasted all of 11 minutes to tell them they were leaving. Uh, Chris Long, uh, formerly of the Eagles and the Patriots and the Rams and then uh, Virginia Cavaliers brought up that that was probably the meanest thing he did was make his team wake up at 7 a.m. and uh, do that. We got all our dogs here tonight helping us out. Uh, so, Thomas, you and I have mentioned this already off, off show. I just don't like this fit. Yeah, I, I don't think it works. Um, look. Brian Kelly is obviously – he's a good football coach. He is a successful football coach. Um, everybody likes to talk about the recruiting disadvantage he's at at Notre Dame in the sense that their standards are yeah. higher, the academic standards. Uh, on the flip side of that, I think uh, every good Catholic athlete in the country wants to go play for Absolutely. Notre Dame. Um, but when you look at his resume against top-tier teams – even if you look at Notre Dame's schedule from this year where they struggled to beat the Toledos of the world, mm-hmm. I mean, two CFP appearances, both losses, 30-3 to against Clemson in 2018, 31-14 loss against Bama last year, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think so. 3-8 and eight versus top 10 teams at Notre Dame. And was he the coach at Notre Dame? It was like one of the last – was it the last BCS game yes. against Bama when, when they, they got just smoked? Just was that the Manti Teo year? May have been. His fake girlfriend? I think, yeah, I think one of the uh, – Mike Golick Jr. was on that team as an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So, like, that – yes, absolutely, that team, you know, because it was the big lead-up and all this hype of, you know, southern pedigree of, of – pedigree, of, easy for me to say, of the Alabama Crimson Tide versus this old-school, you know, Midwest powerhouse of Notre Dame, and it was a shellacking and, uh, and yeah. just an embarrassment. And uh, so that is interesting. Uh, but again, like you said, against high quality opponents, I just I hadn't seen it. Yeah, and it's and it's also it's it's just it's the culture thing too. Like there's a if you look back at Ed Orgeron, first of all, was the quintessential LSU coach. Absolutely. Let's just be honest. The coach oh, yeah, 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 yeah. he was born to coach them. Yep. But even you go back, Les Miles, Urban Meyer, all those guys, you just look at them. If you don't know anything about them and you just hear them talk and, 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 and see their mannerisms, like they fit that culture. Mm-hmm. Brian Kelly is very much a, um, I don't know, he's like an Ivy League guy. He's yes. very buttoned yes, up. Yes, absolutely. He, he, he's not going to, he, he's going to be ordering 
poor boys from restaurants <laughs> down there. Yep. He's not going to know how to order crawfish. That's right. It's going to be weird, man. Yeah. And I just feel like LSU went, let's go get the best coach we can get. Maybe they have been talking to him, and, and, and that's been reported. And they, I think they threw everything they could throw at Lincoln Riley, and he said, nah, I'm good. And then they threw all that same stuff at Brian Kelly, and he was like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. And, you know, there's something to be said there about that confidence level. We just talked about Lincoln Riley, and you made a great comparison of your boss coming and saying, hey, I'm about to make your job super hard. And then another job opportunity came up, and it's same salary or better in a, in a less stressful environment. And he went, I'm, I'm going to take that option. Brian Kelly did the exact opposite. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he made more money, but he's going into the pressure cooker. Yeah. Like he, this, you know, you can get all SEC bias, blah, blah, blah. SEC right now is top notch. Yeah. And, and, and it's mean, going to the West, correct. the harder division of correct. the SEC. Bama's still there. Speaking of Bama, I saw something, and I don't know if this is true, that somewhere in Nick Saban's contract, I saw this. This says something about he has to be. If somebody comes in the SEC, like something about top two or three, the, the average, average of the top three salary, he, he has to, his salary has to be either either equal or higher than the top three average salaries in the SEC. That's amazing. That's it's, amazing. It's I mean, is, is Jimmy Sexton still his agent? Because Jimmy I, Sexton is a genius. He really is, and he's a forward thinking guy. And I mean, listen, let's be honest. As far as college football goes, you can argue if anybody deserves the money these guys are getting. But what they're getting in the arms race that it is, Nick Saban a hundred percent deserves that money. I well, mean, well, in, in the same right. Speaking of, of contracts like that, I, I also heard that. Lincoln Riley, his buyout of his contract, if he were to leave, was so absolutely low, and people were screaming, well, why did Oklahoma agree to that? Well, when you win the conference every single year, you have a whole lot of leverage. That's right. Well, and remember, when he came – remember now, this is another stinger for Gamecock fans. When he was had, when he was interviewing for positions, he wanted to be the head coach of South Carolina. Well, I mean, didn't want to necessarily. He interviewed for the position when Will Muschamp got the job. And he was coming as East Carolina's OC. Yeah. He finally ended up going to Oklahoma. And after one year, Bob Stoops said, and God, how mad is Bob Stoops right now? <laughs> like Bob Stoops said, oh, man, this guy can keep going with what I've created at Oklahoma. And stepped away and was like, let him go do it. Yeah. Which, you know, and he said in the press conference he was disappointed in Lincoln. And I think Bob Stoops is still a little bit of that old school loyalty. Hey, Oklahoma gave Bob Stoops his first opportunity to be a head football coach. He's loyal to them and, and, and has been. And so then he stepped aside saying this young guy, Lincoln Riley, is is more prepared to, to lead us into the future than I am. I'm going to give it to him. And – now Lincoln Riley turns around in the steel of the night and and disappears. And he mentioned, and so did the uh, the Oklahoma AD. He said we would have liked some more rep, some more uh, time. Like we would have liked to have known. And it just feels like Lincoln didn't even probably give them a chance to negotiate. He was just like, I'm out. Yeah, and you got to think also with with as long as I mean I, I I don't know how long that Southern Cal job has been open, but it seems like it was one of the first ones it was, to come it was open. early. And so you know that there's been. Maybe not direct communication from Riley right. to Southern Cal, but Riley's camp, his agents, his sure. people, they've been talking for a while. And that's how it works in this realm. I mean, your agent, you can't directly talk, NCAA, yada, 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 but your agent can or your right. agent's assistant can or blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, this is this didn't happen overnight. No. They didn't call Lincoln last Saturday at like 8 o'clock in the night and be like, hey, man, you want to come be our head coach? Yeah. Like they've been working on this. 
So, you know, shame a little bit on Oklahoma for not seeing it coming. At least what Notre Dame is putting out is they knew. Yeah. They knew. Like the administration knew. Players didn't know. And we could talk about player rights, and I'm glad these players are getting paid right now, and they need to be getting paid more when you look at all these contracts. And they're the last to know. They're the last to know. And that's ridiculous because they're the most important, you know, great coaches or great coaches, chicken or egg conversation, but you got to have great players. Yeah. And – he, you know, they all were left, you know, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, they're left. They had a coach in the middle, you know, late evening, whatever, is it, sending them a text like Brian Kelly did or, or I don't know if Lincoln Riley did or not that, hey, I'm out. I'm peace. I'll see you later. Um, so I'm going to love you forever, but I'm not coaching here anymore. Speaking of, <laughs> excuse me, new head coaches, Florida had already fired Dan Mullen. And have now hired their new... You're welcome, Florida fans. <laughs> Look what you got. Billy Napier from... Is it just Louisiana now, or is it... Le- yeah, I think, okay. I think it's... I still call him Lafayette. Yeah, right. But yeah. The Raging Cajuns, either yeah. way. And, you know, he's been the hot name, was the hot name when South Carolina was looking for a position, was the hot name at other positions. Um, Florida, I think, finally gave him all the money he was looking for as far as things and, you know... Thomas, you and I have slightly different things that we want to talk about um, or think about with Billy Napier. Like, I, I, you're kind of off him and, and not a huge fan. I don't love him, but I also, I guess it's just anybody who's coached for Nick, with Nick Saban ever, I give them like, okay, you get a little bit of a reprieve because sure. you watch the best ever do it. And if you watched him do it and took anything from him, maybe you'll be successful. So that's why. Um, but I, I will say also, going from Louisiana or Louisiana Lafayette, whatever the team name is at this point, to the SEC is another dog toy, everybody. We love it. Is um, is a big jump. It's a big jump. And it's you're taking a leap, just like South Carolina took a leap with Shane Beamer. You know, never been a coordinator, yada, yada. We heard all the negatives. Now you got Billy Napier. He's been a head coach, but he's never been a head coach at the SEC or the Power Five Conference. Thomas, you know, talk a little bit about your feelings about Napier there. Yeah, and, and I will say, and I was actually talking to a coworker today who was a Florida alum, and, and she's a diehard, and 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 she we've been commiserating a little bit over the last couple of weeks. But as I told her earlier today, I said, well, I said, I'll say this. You you fix your recruiting problem for sure. Absolutely. Napier is a, is a, is a relentless recruiter. He's going to recruit. And I think that knowing what we know about Napier, I feel confident that before he accepted that job, he sat down with Strickland and the administration at Florida and said, these are the resources I need. This mm-hmm. is the amount of money I'm going to need mm-hmm. for recruiting mm-hmm. and all of that. And and I think Florida threw the checkbook at him. They yep. backed up the Brinks truck, and that's what they need. Now, you can recruit all, all you want and get the best talent in there. I am not completely sold on, on his offensive scheme. He, he's an offensive guy, of course. We know that. Um, if, if you look at stats, uh, if you look at some of his quote-unquote bigger games, I'm not fully sold on it. So I think Billy Napier's success at Florida is really going to come down to the and and not that this is some far left field idea here, but the staff that he can assemble around him. Okay. And of course, speaking of the Oklahoma job, there is rumblings out there that he's allegedly going after Tom Herman for OC and Brent Venables as defensive coordinator and wants to wants to make 
Venables, the highest paid coordinator in college football. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Venables is currently already. I was about to say, I think he's pretty close, if not already number one. Yeah. So that's not that's a lateral move. Yeah. So basically, it's gonna be it's gonna be Billy calling uh, Venables saying, "Hey, I want to make your job a lot difficult. Right. I'm gonna pay you a little bit more though." Yeah. Um, right. So so I, but I say all that to say it's really gonna depend on if. The, the, the staff he can assemble around him, and if he can be a true CEO and take his hands off and just let his coordinators run the team. Because that's what yeah. you've got to be in that job. I agree. I agree. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the jury's out. I feel like the jury's out. You're leaning a little bit against it. I'm leaning maybe slightly in favor of it. But I will say the jury's out. I, I feel like Florida – Florida, I mean, you know, Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer, they've been chasing since then the next guy, um, you know, and, and, you know, you had Will Muschamp, you had, Will was after Urban, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Dan No. Moore. No. Was he before him? God, I'm mixing up him and McElwain now. No, yeah. He was after. He was after. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then Dan Mullen, of course. Um, so, you know. They're just looking for that mix, and we'll see what happens. Um, they are desperate and will throw money at anybody because they just want to win at Florida. They just yeah. want to win at Florida, especially Florida football. Very impatient. Right, absolutely. So, you know, we, we kind of covered the move that Brian Kelly made to LSU. Haven't really talked yet about that opening at Notre Dame. You know, there's guys who covet that job. Um, Luke Fickle is, is in the mix, and, you know, you mentioned – Every Catholic athlete in the Midwest wants to play at Notre Dame. He probably wants to coach there. You know, he's a, ca- a strong man, a man of strong Catholic faith. Um, Notre Dame is sort of the mecca there, uh, and so his name's been brought up. Even Urban Meyer's name has been brought up. That always was his dream job. Right? Always was his dream job, and things set in the NFL have not been so great. I do think Notre Dame's going to have a little issue with that viral video of the young lady uh, that was, let's just say, in his lap. Um, I know Ohio State would have an issue with it because he was wearing an Ohio State pullover <laughs> while he was doing it. But um, so I don't know about that. Luke Fickle is probably the main guy, and then their their defensive coordinator is it Freeman? Freeman, yeah, yeah he's been brought up a good bit. Um, and I, I think he will be a good head coach. I think he will, too. Um, if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm trying to pull him to LSU. And he supposedly is. Yeah. He supposedly is. Which, I mean, Lincoln Riley already took Alex Grinch with him mm-hmm. to Southern Cal. Um, so I, I could see that happening for sure. Um, who? What are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like because he's got head coaching experience and he seems to be the main target, I would think Luke Fickle is probably number one there, right? I mean, if I'm if I'm Notre Dame, yeah, Fickle is my number one target. But here's the thing: we talked earlier about about Ryan Day, right? And do you think there is is any possibility that Luke Fickle shoots a text over Ryan Day and says, "Hey, man, just shoot me straight. Right. Are you going to take right. this Bears job?" Right. Because you know that if it comes down to it, if if Ohio State, I mean, yeah, if Ohio State and Notre Dame. Both offered it to Luke Fickle. He's going to Ohio State. Absolutely. That's the job he wants. Yep. He spent 90% of his coaching career right. in some capacity at Ohio State. That's right. the job he wants. Absolutely. So so it's kind of a – he may end up missing out if he's holding out for that. Absolutely, and you're right. I, you know, you think – you know, coaches know each other. They, yeah. they absolutely do. So, I mean, I, is it possible that Fickle says, hey, man, you going to the Bears to, today? It's possible. I mean, I, I could see that. And, you know, would Day tell him? I don't know. But I would, you know, I would think if if Ohio State came open, he would be holding out for that. Here's the super funny thing. If Fickle goes to Notre Dame, 
he will be the second head coach to go from Cincinnati to Notre I was Dame. just thinking about that because Brian what, Kelly, right? I just looked it up. Brian Kelly came from, from uh, Cincinnati in 2009 uh, to, to go to Notre Dame. So what we're saying is Cincinnati is a feeder school for coaches to Notre Dame? Apparently. That's apparently okay. a thing. Um, you know what else I saw that I was really surprised by? And just because they've had a lot of success and great coaches there, Brian Kelly was the all-time winner at all, most winning coach or most wins, I guess, at Notre Dame. That's surprising. That is surprising. Now, I guess, you know, you have the 12-game season. You had yeah. 11 games. You had 10 games back in the day, you know, all the way way back with the four horsemen and whatnot. I think they played like six. I don't know. So, anyway, that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. So, let's talk about the, the playoff and the, and the final four here. Right now, the most recently released, I believe it's Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Alabama three, Cincinnati four, Oklahoma State at number five, and Notre Dame Fighting Irish at number six. So, you know, there's a lot of questions there that can be interesting. Um, you know, obviously Michigan made a big jump there uh, to two. Bama going. Bama will play, and we'll talk just briefly about the SEC championship here in a second. Bama's going to the SEC championship with one loss. If they lose to Georgia. I think there's no way they make the playoff. It will be riots in the streets. Uh, we talked about this earlier, I believe. So, so that would put a, a two-loss Bama in the top four. There is not, to, to, to our record, uh, there hasn't been a two-loss I, team in the top four since the CFP has existed. I, I, to my, I, I can't think of a time. And, and, and I don't agree with that either, a two-loss team. Like, right. I put a whole – and we've talked about this. I put a whole lot of stock into records first. Sure. Undefeated, right. one loss. Before I even get to quality wins. Absolutely. Bad losses Absolutely. and all that. Absolutely. So, two losses with Ceteris Paribus, like, you cannot keep them in there. Absolutely not. And Cincinnati, you know, they've, they're in at four. Were they four last week? That's what they were, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, they've stayed the same. And so, they're still in there, undefeated. You know, they play Houston um, with a big – they got a big spread there in their championship game. They ought to take care of that game. You can't keep – so let's say Georgia beats Alabama and Oklahoma State wins the Big 12. You, and they're a one-loss team. You can't keep a two-loss Alabama in the top four and leave out an undefeated Cincinnati. You just can't. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if, if Georgia beats Bama, I, I don't care what the score is, if Georgia beats Bama – Michigan wins, Cincinnati wins, and Oklahoma State wins. Bama's out. Absolutely. They have to be. Absolutely. And you know what I'm kind of excited for, and this is sort of mean to say, you know, Saban, he never lost his mind on a coach like he used to lose it on Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Like, and I get it, Lane Kiffin's kind of a got a little punk attitude to him. I, this is going to be a huge game for Alabama. If, if their offense struggles against Georgia, which in all out – in all reality, it probably should. Georgia's the best defense we've seen in a long time. I could see a, a, a Nick Saban meltdown on CBS on the yeah. sideline going at Brian yeah. O'Neill. Just or, uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Wow. What I was I like, who do? the hell is that? Brian O'Neill. Wow. Uh, Bill O'Brien. I could see him going at him. So, you know, that's, that's very interesting. I guess so that leads to my next question. Oklahoma State. You know they beat if they beat Baylor, which you know it's it's not a given. But if right. they beat if they beat Baylor to win the Big Twelve, and Bama loses, you got to think in my mind if everything else holds chalk, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, 
Cincinnati have to be the top four, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And, I mean, Cincinnati is going to be pissed if that happens because then they're facing Georgia in the first round and they're undefeated. But you see, you got to look at strength of schedule at that point. And, and I agree. I agree. And then, and then here's the other thing. That's why Notre Dame needs to join a conference. Yes. They don't, yes. They're Great dormant. Point. They're dormant this week. Yep. They And maybe that's what Brian Kelly said. Maybe he's been talking to this administration for years going, we got to join a conference. We're going to get left out in the cold. Yeah. And maybe saw you know maybe finally you know the straw that broke the camel's back. And he was like, "I'm t- I'm done telling you guys this. I'm going somewhere else where they do do this." But I don't see a scenario other than I guess Oklahoma State losing and Bama losing that Notre Dame gets in. Is that feasible? I guess. Here's one of the things I was looking at. So so you know. In, in, in past years, the committee has gone easy on teams that lost their conference championship game. Prime example, number four Iowa in 2015 yes. and number four Georgia in 2018 and 19, they only yes. fell to number five. Yes. So is Michigan really going to fall from number two to number six if it loses or yeah. or number three Bama for that matter? Right. Absolutely. So, uh, but, but – Nobody wants to see that two-loss team in the top four. No. But if you if you really look at the committee this year, it's pretty obvious that they care far more about who you beat than right. who you lost to. Right. So something I looked at earlier today, and, and this is kind of illustrative of this, Bama has two top 25 wins, eight wins over bowl teams. Michigan has one top 25 win, six wins over bowl games, yeah. bowl teams. Cincy, one top 25, six over bowl. Oklahoma State, two Top 25 wins and seven over bowl teams. And then Notre Dame, zero top 25 wow. wins and six wins over bowl teams. And see, that's why people don't like Notre Dame to be in it. Because yeah. they don't, you know, we talk about Cincinnati's strength of schedule. Where's Notre Dame? Yeah. If they weren't Notre Dame, and, they, you know, years and years they've been doing this, the whole Team A, Team B, you take, take their names away. Notre Dame's name gets them in so often. Yep. Um, but I do feel like it may not happen this year because the committee's chairman came out. We were talking about this oh. and said that you know coaches being gone is being taken into consideration. Yeah, Gary Barta, what is you doing, baby? Yeah, bro. look, we know we know that this is in their their parameters or their established guidelines for 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 teams and how you know. Uh, uh, a coach, or in this instance, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame could affect their ranking. Right. We know that. And even if the committee is thinking that, don't say it. That's that's notwithstanding the fact that that is the most asinine thing I have ever heard in my entire life and completely discredits the entire committee and the entire process. Don't say that. Yeah, it's just it, – it, it's it, – it takes what matters on the field or what happens on the field and takes the, the importance and the onus off of that and, and essentially makes it a beauty pageant. You yeah. know, no disrespect to beauty pageants, but they don't have their head coach. It's a bad look. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Like, you know, that shouldn't be a, a thing that gets in the way. Look at what the players do on the, t- on the field. You know, what do they expand to? 12? Is that what we're expanding to in two years or whatever? I so. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be interesting to see. But – all right, so one couple other things here. Um, you know, I guess now we're gonna we want to see Michigan Georgia because we talked a bunch about wanting to see Ohio State Georgia. I mean, I guess, but I mean, I, and I mean, I still think I think Georgia would smoke Michigan too. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So again, last question here. We've been talking all season. Who's the Heisman Trophy winner? I think last week made it 
really muddy again. Uh, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young didn't have – I mean, I guess they didn't have terrible games, but their teams didn't look good. So now who's the favorite? If if defensive end Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan has another mind-blowing game yeah. this week against Iowa and then they go to the playoffs and let's say Michigan wins the title this year and right. Aiden Hutchinson smokes it, I think Michigan's going to have their second defensive player win the Heisman. But doesn't the Heisman happen before all that? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it happens. You're they right. should, but I think it happens before all that. Yeah, you're uh, right. That was a fun fantasy. That was, though, and you're right. He would deserve it in that scenario. Um, but I think it happens before all that. But, yeah, uh, I, there's not a favorite. This could be one of the closest Heisman votes we've seen in years. Um, yeah. Because there's just not a favorite. There's not a clear favorite. And it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, so we'll see what happens there. All right, moving into the SEC championship, we're not going to break down games like we do usually on a weekend, weekend, uh, week out basis. We're just going to briefly talk about this. The two games that are the most interesting, Big 12 deserves a little mention here as well. But SEC championship, Bama, Georgia, we've talked about it a little bit. Thomas, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Alabama can play with Georgia. Here's here's one thing that is that is really interesting about that game. Number one is um, particularly last week in the Iron Bowl against Auburn, and then if you go back even to the LSU game, Bama at least at least comparatively speaking to the past couple of years, Bama offensively doesn't have a run game. Yeah, and and Brian Robinson. He got banged up last week. Yeah. If he can't go, Bama could literally be looking at a converted running back playing in this game. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Here's the other thing that I think could be a massive X factor in this game. Bama is more battle-tested, air mm-hmm. quote, than Georgia. Fair. Georgia has not been any dogfights this year. Bama went to the wire with A&M. Bama went to four overtimes last weekend in the Iron Bowl. Bama is battle-tested. If this game is close and it really comes down to who's going to pull up their jock strap and really lay the wood, i got to give the edge to Bama here. That doesn't mean I'm giving the edge to Bama in this game, but if it is a tight game, Bama's more battle-tested. No, I, I do agree with that point. The one thing I will say, though, under Saban, what has been Bama's greatest strength other than their defense has been their offensive line. Yeah, and I'm not saying their offensive line is bad because it's it's not. But what is Georgia's greatest strength on defense? Their defensive line. And this this off this Bama offensive line is not offensive line of, of a couple no, of years. No, 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 not at all. It's not. It's it's definitely good, but it's not. What I'd they, take it. Yeah, North sure, Carolina. absolutely. And so would Clemson, and so would a lot of people. But that is just. I think that's interesting because that's been the thing with Bama's offense is their their offensive line that Crimson Tide where the name comes from um, has always been able to to roll over people and I don't know that they can do that against Georgia and I do feel like this is a game where you're going to know that very early mm-hmm. if if somehow Bama comes out and steamrolls them on a first or second drive and can get the ball going and running and can protect the quarterback that's a big concern. Because that's what Georgia has has been great at this year is not letting that happen. So if somehow Bama can do that against this front four, that's going to be a negative. Yeah, and and what Bama really needs to do, regardless of, of who they have in the backfield at running back here, is you've mentioned this before, but Bama needs to call it and haul it. Yep. Bama does. Bryce Young is a very heady, smart quarterback, yep. and they give him a lot of latitude at the line. He does a lot of checks, checks out of coverages. When you're playing against this Georgia defense, you cannot do that. You need to run tempo. 
and you need to call it and haul it because if you give if you start checking at the line, Georgia, not only Dan Lanning, their defensive coordinator, and Kirby Smart, just their players on the field are smart enough that they're just going to overcome that. Well, and there's the one other factor here that's interesting. No Saban assistant has ever beat Saban. Ooh. So now you got Kirby Smart trying to be the first in the SEC championship. That's an X factor. Saban, Saban's like a like a, an assassin. Yeah. Like as he's coaching with you, I feel like he's taking notes on you to be like, okay, when he becomes a head coach, I, I'll use this this, oh, this against him. Like has a file on every coach that's Absolutely. like, if I ever have to play against this guy, this is what I'll do. So he's going to pull out that Kirby Smart file and be like, all right, know what to do here. Yeah. I, that is the X factor. Nick Saban is a genius and. There's a reason none of his assistant coaches have ever beat him. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. What was it? Lane said, you know, this year, get your popcorn ready. Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah, so, that, that didn't turn out That didn't well. turn out so great. It's going to be interesting to see. All right. Now, now for Georgia, though, I will say, like, it's important to note here, as we kind of alluded to earlier, Georgia's in the playoffs, even with yeah, a loss here. Absolutely. I don't care if, if Bama shuts them out 42 yeah, to nothing. Absolutely. Georgia's in. Yeah. So, so I, I – I kind of look at Georgia to, to be a little conservative on offense and try to establish that run. But honestly, even if they can't establish a run against Bama's defense, they're just going to try to limit turnovers and just let their defense win the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is true. Um, Georgia's in no matter what. And, yeah. and, you know, in my opinion, um, even like you said, if they get smoked, like they, they deserve to be. They've been the best team in college football. All right. So let's change gears to the Big Ten Championship here. Um, the first question we have is, can Iowa play the spoiler? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really. I, I don't see it. Particularly after what we saw Michigan do last week with that run game, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, Iowa's going to sell out against the run and rely on. Let's be honest, a pretty good secondary. Okay, Apparently. Iowa's Iowa's got a good secondary. They're going to try to make Michigan beat them through the air. But the flip side of that is. Iowa's offensive line is garbage. Yeah. Hutchison and Ojibo could have a field day. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, there's really not much to say here. I, I do feel like Michigan Michigan rolls uh, and makes their way into the playoff Jim Harbaugh's first time. be interesting to see how they handle that situation in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting because and, – and I've never been a big Jim Harbaugh fan. I think uh, he's, a, he's a weird dude. Yeah, I agree. Um, and when they hired him, I was like, he's never going to win a title there. Right. This is obviously his best chance. I still don't think he's going to win one regardless. But, but I will say that I think we talked X factors earlier. This game is going to come down to special teams and turnovers. I didn't realize this until today, but almost half, almost half of Iowa's points this year came off of either turnovers – or drive starting in plus field position because they had such good special teams. Absolutely, and uh, that I mean that that could play a factor, but I just don't see it. Yeah, uh, I think Michigan's going to roll. I do think uh, the, the a good battle in the Big Twelve. We haven't really hit on that hard, but you know Baylor's done some things this year. They have, and so Oklahoma State got to get over that hump. Be interesting. Could have two new teams, Michigan and Oklahoma State. Or Michigan, or yeah, Michigan and Cincinnati. Yeah. Or all three: Michigan, Cincinnati, and um, uh, da, 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 uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Oklahoma State, because yeah. Alabama losing to Georgia would set up a, a train 
So that'd be interesting to see. All right. Well, as always, we enjoyed talking some college football with you tonight. Make sure and download, listen, rate, and review. You know our social hashtags, or excuse me, uh, media accounts, uh, at SAA Football Fan, at SAA Football Fan on Instagram and Twitter, on Facebook, where the social, uh, the slightly above average football fan podcast, super easy for me to say. Thomas, say goodbye to the people. I will say goodbye, but I'm tired of you telling me what to tell the people. Oh, wow. So I'm going to tell the people to have a great weekend and enjoy some good football. Good job. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good week. We'll see you soon. Actually, in two weeks.